Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. There are thousands of amazing self-help books out there, but what happens when you're struggling at the moment and need help now? Well, my new book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook, is your new go-to self-help book. I wrote it specifically for when you don't know how to overcome a challenge. Each chapter gives you a framework on how to tackle your situation. I help you focus on what already works for you. Your situation today may be different, but the emotions you're currently feeling, you felt them before, and you did something that helped you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. This book is specifically written to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Purchase your book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. Once again, purchase Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. My guest today is Leah Garvin, who is an operations leader and an executive coach who's on a mission to transform the workplace one conversation at a time. Leah has extensive experience working in some of the most influential companies in tech, including Microsoft, Apple, and Google, to explore the power of reframing one's thoughts to overcome common challenges found in the modern workplace. In today's episode, we talk about her book, Unstuck. Reframe your thinking to free yourself from the patterns and people that hold you back, which teaches you how to harness the power of perspective, to re-envision and reinvent your approach to work, life, to achieve more, stress less, and overcome the barriers that stand in your way. Welcome to Lifeology. Thank you so much. So excited to be here. I am as well. That was a mouthful for me to say. That doesn't even include all the things you've done. So I cannot <laughs> wait to hear more about that. So is this your first book? Yes, it is. First book just came out April 5th. So first month. <laughs> so Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I'm honored to have you on my show today. Thank Before you. we get started, I want to find out how did you even become this executive coach? How did you know that you were involved, interested in tech? How did, tell me everything. Ah, well, where do I begin? <laughs> um, so I had, I spent a lot of my career as a program and operations manager, um, uh -huh. diving in with teams on, you know, how to get things done effectively. And what I noticed in a very early in my career and kept coming up was the things getting people's way from getting their work done. It was never skills or expertise. It was mm. interpersonal and team dynamics issues that sure. were being unaddressed. And at first in my career, people would say to me, oh, just focus on the work and the people stuff later. But I, I knew that wasn't right. Um, like <laughs> that made no much. sense at all. Yeah. And as I kept reinforcing no you know if we if we figure out how this team can be more inclusive and people can communicate mm -hmm. better and feel like they're connected to the mission then the work gets done faster at higher yes. quality and it all works yes. out and this early hypothesis that was then you know validated through extensive <laughs> research on psychological safety and, and organizational culture um it, it kept being my thesis for how to run yeah. teams effectively and um through that, I got really interested in mentoring and running um, team workshops and doing group facilitation wow. um, and becoming a coach, a certified executive coach to get a little bit more of a framework behind what mm -hmm. I was doing. Yeah. It's always interesting when people say things like that, we'll just focus on the work. Well, you think about when you grew up as a kid, 
that was like a work environment. So every small, every, every family has its own culture. Everyone, you know, everyone has, you know, their own table manners. People have, have to clean the room. All that is a specific culture. And so if, like, for example, if I were to use that technique of, of this, say, just focus on work. If I only focus on my, on my, um, my chores, but I don't interact with my family, well, that's going to be a pretty uncomfortable yeah. family <laughs> dynamic. And so when you think about that respect, I probably get punished too. For it, but when you think about it in that respect, it, it doesn't make sense to just focus on something and not the interpersonal connectedness because a team is only as effective as the interpersonal connections that they have because if people, it allows for brainstorming, it allows for so many different aspects of, of the, of the whole company to level up. So. You don't need exactly. me to say this, but obviously it just seems obvious that you would focus on the cultural aspects of the team in order to be more successful. Absolutely. And I felt the same. It was like, wait a second, why is this hard to, you know, why yeah. is this point hard to land? And I think, you know, it was in my early career in tech as a non-engineer, it took mm. a while to figure out, hey, this was my sort of unique special sauce that I brought mm, to the equation. Sure. And I, I dealt with a lot of imposter syndrome around not being an engineer, um, mm -hmm. you know, being a non-engineer, a woman in tech, kind of underrepresented on in many dimensions. Of course, many levels, um, of course. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and finally, when I was able to put, um, you know, concrete examples around, hey, you know, when we talk about, you know, how each person fits into the bigger picture, they feel excited to share progress on their work as opposed to waiting till it's perfect. You know, things like that really started to help me communicate why this, the, the way that I approached work made sense and, and added value and was just as important as bringing technical expertise. It's always interesting because things like that happen where it's when it allows for those types of, of concepts, then it allows for vulnerability. Vulnerability is incredibly important because that allows for collaboration, allows for teamwork. And because if people are like, oh, I have to have this at 100% all the time or show my best work, well, that's a lot of pressure. I remember yeah. when I was in school, I had to do this. I was like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of work. But to have this this aspect of showing that, yeah, I'm a little vulnerable. I need some help. It's a little, it's not you know the best picture, but this is what I have, what I've created thus far. And then the people can really join in and help polish it as well, which is pretty cool. Exactly. You know, even though your book is specifically written for people to help reframe the situation in the workplace, I'm, it, I'm assuming it can also be applicable for people that are outside of the workplace as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. What would be some of the things that, you know, listening right now, before we jump into the book, what, what are some things just to prep people to say, okay, let me first off to reframe a situation. What does that even mean? So walk us through what those concepts mean, and then we'll jump specifically into the book and the different techniques. Yeah. So reframing is about looking at a situation where you feel stuck. So it does not have to be work. Any situation will work for this. And thinking about the different perspectives that might be available that can produce different outcomes. And you might say, well, if I knew what those other perspectives were, I would already look at it that way. <laughs> and so it's really about identifying when you're stuck, what are some of the patterns or behaviors that you're doing that are resulting in an outcome you're not happy with, or, aren't, or isn't getting you to where you want to be. And then saying, okay, I'm going to try a wildly different approach. I'm going to do this the opposite way or try something uh, maybe I wouldn't have thought would work before or ask for help or, and, mm -hmm. and really kind of shaking up the thing you're already doing to see what is possible when you try another route. I was, it's funny when I, when I was in school and I learned about reframing, I, I, I thought, analogy I always use is you literally take a picture and you just change, change the frame out. If you have, you know, you've seen some really ornate, ornate frames before, and then you change it to maybe like a more modern one. You're like, oh, that's totally different. That looks yeah. really different. It just creates a different perspective of it. So another way to kind of think about what you're saying is 
we all know what a diamond looks like. So a diamond has so many different facets. So when you look at the situation and you take that diamond, you just slightly turn it and you look at a different facet. So the situation's very similar, but your response might be a little different. And if it's a little bit different, then hmm, what else could I do that's different? Well, and you touched on such an important piece, which is, is tapping into the questions we're asking ourselves and mm-hmm. asking ourselves open-ended what questions, like what mm-hmm. else might be here? What's another way to look sure. at this? As opposed to getting getting into, well, why do I think this? Why did this happen to me? Why in this analysis mode? And so you 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 teed up this kind of tool for reframing, which is asking ourselves different kinds of questions that mm-hmm. get us away from just confirmation around what we already think. It's like exactly. why don't I like this person that. because to <laughs> well, what else is here? We have to uh-huh. think something differently when we ask ourselves mm-hmm. that. What would you say is the number one reason why most teams struggle when it comes to uh, just cl- I don't say collaboration, but just interaction in general, interpersonal ineffectiveness? I think it's a lot of folks operating around assumptions based on, mm-hmm. you know, okay, this person didn't respond to me, so it might mean X, Y, Z things. One, they're trying to sabotage me. They don't care. They don't like me. Like, and we usually go really <laughs> negative with it. And with yes. working remotely That's and dark. hybrid and distributed, when we don't see people every day, those assumptions can quickly turn negative also because we I think when we don't see people, we don't, we don't always give people the benefit of the doubt. And so that can create more tension as well. And so I'd mm-hmm. say assumptions, because we haven't put in the work to actually get to know mm-hmm. people or challenge our assumptions or give people the benefit of the doubt or give someone feedback if something didn't land well. Like all of those assumptions, I think, can really pile on to, to create a lot of miscommunications misunderstood expectations, lack of clarity. Mm-hmm. And, and even if you're, you know, if you're not able to meet with people in person, it's, a, it's actually totally fine. You just have to make the effort <laughs> to have those, those conversations. Exactly. A little bit different effort. You know, when we kind of spiral or snowball around, you know, what if this and people think this or that, you know, is that actually in line with other behavior? So you said this exact mm-hmm. thing, like, you know, if people think I'm, um, what if people think I'm lying because I didn't finish the status report in time? It's like, is that within this, like your, the characteristics you've displayed? Is there Correct. any real yeah. risk of people thinking that? And sometimes when yeah. you say, you ask someone that, they say, <laughs> no, there's no risk. Of, like, no, of course not. Right. And, and so I think we can ask ourselves the same questions, whether it's about someone else or our own yeah. judgments and snowballing, like, is this a real risk I should be afraid of? You know, like, I'm not a tall person. Is it a risk? Someone's going to say like, <laughs> she's so tall and overbearing. You know, it's like, no, that's not in the realm of reality. So I don't have to get in that like yeah. zone of like, what if this, what if this? And, and I think when we start filtering what to actually mm-hmm. spend energy and like you said, this cognitive load around, instead of just having everything on the table for, for spiraling, it, it, yeah. it starts to let us focus on what matters. And it becomes so exhausting when we do spiral. I mean, once again, we all do it. We've all, we've all been there before, but it's, I I always like to tell people, you know, think of every morning you're giving 100 energy dollars. So I get to choose how much am I going to spend on this conversation? How much am I going to spend on worrying about something? So when you can think about it in that respect, it really holds you accountable. There's nothing worse than feeling depleted at the end of the day. Because essentially you've squandered those energy points and didn't have enough to allocate all the way through the day. And so at the end of the day, like, oh my God, that just nobody talked to me. And so it's so important to realize if you use this type of, of, of concept is 
as I'm talking to someone, oh, I've given them three energy points. Is that enough? You know, I want to be interactive and get what I need and have them, you know, get what they need as well. But then if I continue to talk about something, so that's where like gossiping can, can come into play. Yeah. That's where spying with other people come into play. Once again, time and place for everything. And if you think it's healthy for you, that's, you know, that's on you, but it's also good to know that there are other things we don't have to spend our energy points on. And so sometimes when we spiral, when we get stuck in these, these cognitive dissonance or these, these thinking errors, it, it's, it can be a really difficult thing. So just anyone th- listening right now and watching us right now, just be mindful of that. If you, if you find that there's something's a lot of work in a conversation, probably is a lot of work. And so you're probably yeah. investing a little bit more than you need to. And so when you can pull yourself out of that, extract yourself in a very healthy, um, classy way, and obviously move on to something else that maybe give you more yeah. return on your investment. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's interesting, you know, the the paying attention to both what's, you know, kind of feeding us, sort of building up more points, what's giving us some mm-hmm. extra credit, people that <laughs> yeah, use exactly. our energy versus take away, <laughs> yeah. right? And, and, you know, sometimes I think we can sort of, if we think in advance, like, hey, this, this conversation is going to take a lot what can I do first or after to really reset Mm. myself or get myself centered and grounded? You know, maybe I have to have a hard negotiation or conversation with a teammate or, or manager or someone in my life. Um, What can I do? So I don't enter that conversation depleted because then again, we might be reactive or, or make assumptions. And, um, and I think the more we can really sort of coach ourselves into those conversations Uh and, and, and be aware of, when something has the potential of being a little bit more, you know, taxing mm-hmm. of those points, then we can, we can also handle it with a little bit more resilience. Yes. I really like that. I really like the, the addition that you had in that, that theory. It's, it's, it's really sound. It's, um, it's also important because I don't know if you've noticed this, Leah, but I've noticed, well, what I teach when, when it comes to core beliefs is yeah. when we're kids, we were all experienced something. Other people told us something or in a moment we were so embarrassed about something that we told ourselves something. And so we have this loop of things that happen all the time. So if we, as adults, if I do something really silly and if I were to say, James, you're so stupid, what's wrong with you? You always do this. Whatever that mantra is, whatever that word that's been, or that phrase that's been used over and over that you say, that is something, unfortunately, that we're all, that you as a child, not you, but a listener, has, yeah. is experienced. And so they allow themselves to say that. So as adults, we don't realize that we keep saying the same thing over and over again. And so if we can stop and challenge that and say, wait a minute, I'm not stupid. I'm not fat. I'm not ugly. I'm not whatever it might be. All yeah. of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, if I've been telling myself that for so long, just like this reframe, well, if that's not true, then what is true? And so that slight shift, what is true about me? And if I can't come up with it, I can say, well, what does Leah think about me? What does my mom think about me? What does my spouse think about me? What do my friends think about me? And that allows you to retrain yourself to say, this is who I am, not the person I thought I was when I was a kid, what I was told or what I told myself. Now, all of a sudden, this is how I can reframe my thinking and I can show up who I authentically am. And when a person can do that, the world is our oyster. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's fantastic. Exactly. And this is exactly what I talk about in the book where we have these sort of program, like you said, program beliefs around concepts Mm -hmm. like feedback or negotiations or whatever it is that they're bad, they're hard. It means I'm wrong. The I'm not good enough. Like you said, Mm -hmm. I'm stupid. I can't handle this. And, and then when we enter a conversation, like take feedback thinking, feedback is when someone tells me what they don't like about me. That's what I think yeah. feedback is. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> we walk into a meeting, is sure. that going to go well? Like there's no yeah. way that will go well if that's the belief we're bringing to it. Sure. And so when we can reframe these, these kind of challenges that we keep facing and running into at work or in life, as we talked about, um, 
we see, wait a second, this thing that I believed, like you say, subconsciously, unconsciously, whatever, isn't, mm-hmm. isn't the only answer for me. And, yes. and I can now break through these challenges and see they don't have the power over me that they used to. We will be right back after this uh, word from our sponsor. So stay tuned. Are you an emerging persona or a global organization that isn't getting recognition from the press? Have your marketing and advertisement efforts hit a plateau? Let us help you take your brand to the next level. Red Heifer Media is a full-service boutique public relations agency specializing in health and wellness, tech, real estate, and nonprofit organizations. We can turn your successful company into a reputable brand. Take your first step and visit www.redheifermedia.com. Once again, visit www.redheifermedia.com to take your brand to the next level. I am back with Leah Garver. We are talking to her about her book, Unstuck, Reframe Your Thinking to Free Yourself from the Patterns and People that Hold You Back. Leah was sharing all this information. So if you've not heard the first part of the show, definitely hit rewind and listen to the beginning of it. Leah, talk with me more about this. So this book itself, is it a workbook? Is it a, what what kind of book is it? Ooh, I love that question. I would say it's a little bit of a workbook toolkit kind of, uh, I would say, I don't know, manifesto, if you will. It's a, it's dives into these 12 different challenges that show up for women and really everybody within the workplace um, from feedback to talking about our work to decision-making, negotiating, comparison, and mm. it looks at why we get stuck. And, and it's, it's really, you know, the, the why is a lot around, you know, some of the biases and double standards that women mm-hmm. in the workplace feel. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of, of us can feel stuck around for similar sure. ways. Um, then shares stories, antidotes, tools that I've found or seen or, or seen others really benefit mm-hmm. from to overcome them. And then at the end of each chapter actually has a little bit of a workbook where I share an oh, exercise perfect. to try to really bring these tools to life. So um, maybe tools so is the right word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like that. Can you give us an example of one of the chapters and one of the things that's in there? Of course, I want my viewers and listeners to purchase this book, but give us an example of one of the, I guess the one of the chapters and what would be one of the uh, toolkits that you would give us for techniques? Yeah. So um, if we, let's take, I'll take feedback and confidence. Those are two chapters I think have okay. sort of exercises to, to think about in interesting ways, which are actually all of them have interesting exercises, but those are the do. ones that are most do. top of mind. So <laughs> yeah. feedback uh, is, is a real tough one in the workplace and with our personal lives. Like there's really, it's <laughs> yes, tough, okay? It no matter what it is. And I think a lot of that is like, like I mentioned, because we have the belief that feedback is bad. It's negative. It's criticism. Mm-hmm. And therefore it's really hard to give feedback because we don't want to hurt someone's feelings or we feel like they might be defensive. Um, and then from the flip side, we're afraid to receive it because uh, what is this person going to say? I have, you know, it could mm-hmm. be anything. And so the reframe I share around feedback is, is reminding ourselves it's, it is a data point. It is yeah. a piece of information that shares more about the feedback giver than it does about even you and your behavior. Oh, it ties like to their preferences and their beliefs. And, and I mean, you know, for example, one manager could say, you know, I love, you know, keep, keep speaking up in meetings. I love your ideas, you know, keep going out there. Another one could say, oh, I think, you know, you're kind of taking too much airtime, right? Those, mm, there's some, there much. could be some problems in that kind of feedback <laughs> otherwise. But like, I'm just saying there's, everybody has different preferences. And if we mm-hmm. anchor to every piece of feedback, we'll be really thrashed around and feel like, oh, I don't even know, I know how to get I like this. that. I- 
I like that reframe. Obviously, that's the great way to look at it because you're right. Most people think feedback is a negative, but I really like that to say this is really more about the other person. I remember when I was in a university, uh, I was always taught before I went to university. Yes, it's important to learn, but it's also important to learn the teacher because if you can learn how they, what they want, what they need, I shouldn't tell this, but I used to be a university <laughs> professor. Then you're going to pass a class really easily. So when you right. can learn how to quote read the the professor, then ah, that's something you can do. But yeah, it's, it's true. It's the same type of thing when it comes exactly. to these feedback, you know, when it comes to yeah. your manager, et cetera. So good, good. I really like that. I will think about yeah. it myself. And so the tool, well, the tool that I share in the feedback chapter is about it's for actually feedback giving, because I think there's a lot about receiving it and working through your inner critic and things like that, which you've talked about these core beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a feedback giver, we can often, and it may, it might show up at work, but definitely in our own personal relationships, hold back sharing an important message because yeah. we are afraid of, I don't know if it's going to come across this way, or I don't, mm. I don't know how the person respond. And, and if we actually use, effective tools of feedback delivery, which is bringing in empathy, you know, really demonstrating that, you know, you care about this relationship, that you care Mm -hmm. how the other person feels, that you put yourself in that person's shoes. If we're specific, if we say something, you know, actionable that they can understand, not, you know, you're a bad person, but in this meeting, this behavior (laughs) was problematic, right? (laughs) Then we can rewrite our narrative around feedback. And so Mm -hmm. the exercise I share is to Think of a piece of feedback that you need to deliver and then rewrite it using the tools and think, you know, what, yeah. what was that filter about? And if you took off mm-hmm. the filter, would it be something that you'd be more comfortable sharing? Mm-hmm. I want to piggyback off that as well. I always tell people is you reverse engineer. How do you want to feel after an event? Well, I'm more, usually we want to feel pretty good. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I want to be vindicated and, you know, for whatever. But the point is, how do you want to feel? So obviously we want to feel pretty good. So if, if I yeah. reverse engineer the situation, well, I'm not going to say you annoy me. This is whatever. So I'm probably going to reword things differently. So if you can think of the outcome, reverse engineer it, just like you said, you, you change the filters and labels and, and verbiage of how you deliver something, because in doing that, that will net you the response you want or you know, the outcome that you want to experience when it's, once it's done. Exactly. And actually, I talk about that in my conflict chapter. So you teed up (laughs) another tool of thinking through the outcome, right? And then that helps you figure out how to deal with, you know, difficult coworkers or friends or whoever. Um, Sharing another example from from the chapter about confidence, you know, fear is often tied with confidence and Uh and or a lack of confidence. And in, you know, I think as I thought through a lot of the fears that I had, and we've already talked about snowballing thoughts, um, I thought about when we think about this kind of what's the worst that could happen situation Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and unchecked, the worst that could happen is something like (laughs) I, I present, you know, the sales numbers in a meeting and I read out the wrong numbers. Um, and after my manager comes and tells me, you know, I'm not good at my job. A week later, I get fired. Then a week later, I lose my house and then I get divorced and then I'm a loser. And now I move back in with my parents' basement. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and my, my reframe there is to remind ourselves, like, would we really let all of these things happen and not intervene yeah. at any point? Mm, no, that's right? That's the point. Because you come helpless. <laughs> right. We're not helpless. So, yeah. you know, taking take resetting and this is also the exercise at the end of the chapter is take a what's the worst that could happen thought like i blow it in this presentation and then say and then what and now introduce this 
corrective step, if you will. Yeah. And you say, okay, I blow it in the presentation. And then after I talk to my manager about what I think went wrong. And then what? Then mm. I fix my report and I ask to have another conversation where I talk through the updated presentation. And then what? Then I debrief with that man with my manager and they say, hey, okay, I can see you're working on this. And then what? Next time I practice more. And then what? Next mm. time it goes better. Right. Didn't have to move back yes. into the basement. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you, and you, I think it, it can build confidence because you remind yeah. yourself that you have a lot more agency and control in a situation mm. that feels really scary or like, oh, if this all goes wrong, my life will be over. Um, there's a lot of ways you can intervene along the way where, where you can course correct. I really like that because, and we'll have to wrap up here in a second, but I really like that because you empower the person because you're right. When we do that worst case scenario, we go through that whole diatribe of what could happen, yeah. hypothetical. Yeah, you're right. There's no actionable items in there. It's this happens and I, there's nothing I can do about it, but you're yeah. absolutely right. Most, all individuals have that ability to have some form of resilience and we will stand up for ourselves when we need to. So good for you. Obviously you've done an incredible job with this book is to be able to introduce that. Well, then what if from an actionable standpoint of a place of confidence of I wouldn't let that happen. So what will I do? So I, I really yeah. stand behind that. And I can't wait for my listeners and viewers to purchase this book. Unfortunately, our time is up. If they want to purchase this book, Leah Garvin, the book, one more time, Unstuck, Reframe Your Thinking to Free Yourself from the Patterns of People that Hold You Back, where will they find all this information online? Yeah, go ahead to my website at www.leahgarvin.com and you can find information on the book, my coaching, consulting, anything else you want to find there. Wonderful. My listeners also know that if they cannot find this information any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and I'll have all of Leah's information there. I'll have the book in the show notes as well, which you can purchase it. So Leah, once again, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest. I truly enjoyed having this conversation with you. Thank you. Me too. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.